Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of our humble little podcast. I am Lane Grindle, and it is good to have you with us. The Brewers entering that stretch run. Tonight starts the last homestand of the season. Can you believe that for the Brewers? This is the last homestand of the regular season getting started tonight. Now, it is a, a three-team homestand. It is a lengthy homestand. It is three with the Cubs this weekend, five in three days with the Cardinals, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the Royals on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for three. So an 11-game homestand for the crew. This should be an exciting stretch as they get ready for that last road trip and they try to secure their spot in the postseason. And it's going to be an interesting race towards the finish line in terms of the postseason. Right now, here's what you have. You have the Cubs leading the division. They are five games up on the Brewers. They are three games up on the Cardinals. So the Brewers are two games back of the Cardinals. And remember, the top two in each division automatically go to the postseason. So the Brewers are two games out of a divisional playoff spot, if that makes sense. It really doesn't make much difference. But getting one via either winning the division or finishing second. Now, there's also a couple of wild cards that are still up for grabs, and the Brewers are still in the mix in terms of that as well. Uh, right now, the Giants have the eighth spot, the second wild card, if you will. They have the eighth seed. They are 23-22, and 22. so the Brewers are essentially a game and a half out of that slot at 19-22. and 22. So it's, it's right there for the Brewers. They have a shot to get hot here and to finish things up. And, of course, they're coming off their best offensive performance, not just of this year, but basically in a decade, where they set a franchise record with 13 extra base hits. They had two separate innings on Wednesday against the Tigers where they collected four doubles in an inning. They hit five home runs and eight doubles in the contest on their way to winning 19 to nothing over the Detroit Tigers. It was much needed for the crew. They, they needed that victory. They needed that offensive outbreak, and hopefully it was a sign of things to come for this offense here down the stretch. Of course, the, the interesting thing about that is here are the Brewers on Wednesday winning 19 to nothing, and everybody's talking about this big offensive explosion for the Brewers, but the Braves that night won 29-9 to over the Marlins. So the Brewers didn't even have the largest margin of victory <laughs> with the 19 nothing shutout because the Braves won by 20 runs that same day. Really a wild day on Wednesday in Major League Baseball. Crew gets the Cubs starting tonight. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And uh, we'll see if the crew can get after John Lester, who's going to be on the mound. We have a lot for you on this edition of Brewers on Tap. We're going to talk to Daniel Vogelback. He's one of the newest Brewers. And boy, what an impact he has made so far for the crew. He has been absolutely outstanding so far for the Brewers. He had five hits all season long coming into uh, coming into this stretch, basically into this road trip. He, he joined the Brewers at the beginning of this last road trip. He had 
Five hits all season between his time with the Mariners and the Blue Jays. And Vogelback already has five hits. Now, he didn't even play in the slugfest on Wednesday. He wasn't even a part of that equation. But he's been off to a really hot start for the Brewers, and it's been a, a really welcomed thing for this offense. So we're going to talk to him. And also, you're going to have a chance to listen in to a good chunk of my conversation with the president of baseball operations for the Brewers, David Stearns. He joined me on Clubhouse Conversations on Monday on Brewers.com, and I want you to get a chance to listen to some of that conversation and see everything that he had to say. So let's start with that. And I led with David by asking him what was the biggest surprise to him so far of this strange season. Let's break it down. I may have had a little more information than than the fans had as we were going through that, but I'm not sure I had much more information. Yeah. The, the proposals were changing so fast and the rules were changing so fast that we we could strategize and we could do a bunch of different scenario analyses but we really didn't know what we were stepping into. And, and even as we've gone through the season, the rules have changed as we've gone through the season. So we started out and we expected, and we're preparing to get our rosters down to 26. Now they're staying at 28. When we started out, we had no idea that we were going to be encountering seven inning double headers. Um, now they're going to play a very important part of, of our season and, and other teams seasons as well. So the, we, we've had to stay flexible and that's, but we've tried to preach to our organization as a whole, try to stay adaptable, um, try to try to recognize and have an appreciation for the fact that we get to play baseball every day, that we are having a season. And yes, it is different. And yes, it is uncomfortable. Uh, and yes, we're having to do things that from both a team building and roster building perspective and from a playing perspective, we're not used to, but it is still better than the alternative. And, and we try to um, remind ourselves of that um, constantly I think our players do recognize that uh, certainly as an organization, as a front office, we, we do as well. So to, to answer your question, you know, we, we basically didn't know the type of season we were coming into. We, we, uh, until we got that final document. And then as I mentioned, it's changed a little bit along the way. We really didn't know. So we, we had a pretty good idea of what our team was going to look like out of spring training in March. When we broke camp at that point, we were pretty, um, set on where we were. A lot of those decisions were made for us as we got into our summer camp because we had a few extra players we could put on the roster. So those final few really tough decisions really were, were taken out of our hands. Um, and since then, it's been managing um, a very unusual season. It's been, it's been managing being down for a period of time because of, of COVID positives on an opposing team. It's been preparing for a trade deadline a month into a season, which is enormously unusual yeah. um, for us. And now it's, it's preparing for a postseason run um, and, and a playoff push here in what our biological clocks and our internal baseball clocks are telling us is, is mid-May. And, and so it, it is unusual for everyone. And again, every team in the industry is dealing with this. Uh, and, and you have to appreciate it for, for what it is, enjoy it for what it is. This is unusual. We'll never go through something like this again. Um, and, and make the most of the challenges that, that come your way. You know, David, I, I was really proud of baseball and the way they've handled this, uh, on a lot of different levels. But if you go back to the beginning of this season, which you don't have to go that back that far to go back to the beginning of this season, 
when the Marlins had their issues and the Cardinals had their issues, there was a lot of outside noise um, from people that maybe aren't as invested in baseball um, that had their opinions about what should happen next. And I think to baseball's credit, uh, instead of throwing up their hands and saying, well, we tried, they said, no, we're going to make this work. And if we have to adjust things on the fly to make things safer and to make our health protocols better and to make sure everybody buys in, then that's what we'll do. And I think everybody deserves a lot of credit in that, whether it be the owners, whether it be leadership at the top of Major League Baseball, whether it be the front offices, and certainly the players, because it takes their buy-in to make this work as well. And I just think that baseball's ability to, to, to keep pushing forward and find better solutions to the problem is a really big deal in the grand scheme of things, not just for baseball, but maybe for sports in general. I think you're right. And I think a lot of the, the credit goes to really the, the behind the scenes collaboration yeah. between MLB and the players association to, to keep this going. Um, we read publicly about a lot of the acrimony between those two entities, but in order to get to this point in a season and hopefully complete a season and a full postseason, it has required a tremendous amount of behind the scenes collaboration and cooperation from those two sides to, to get us to this point. And um, I agree. I, I think everyone deserves a lot of credit um, in, in that regard. And, and look, it, it is, it's important for our sport that we do everything we can to get through this season. Um, it, it is important for baseball. It's important for our industry. I also think it's important for our fans. I think our fans um, wanted baseball back, are enjoying the product. It is a good product throughout the league right now. Um, players are playing at a very high level. Uh, and, yes, it's not the normal 162-game marathon that, that we all are used to and that we all love and that we all desperately want to return next year. Uh, but it's still baseball, and it's, and it's high-quality baseball. And it's the best baseball in the world. You moved David Phelps to the Phillies, got three pitchers that have not been named yet uh, back in that deal. But uh, obviously you don't make that move unless you feel like there's some real high ceiling coming back uh, in that deal. And, and basically to let everybody know how that works is that if they aren't on the 60-man roster, which is a unique thing to this year, then – they have to be moved as players to be named. They can't be named until after the season's over. But obviously you felt really strongly about the pool that was presented to you from the Phillies uh, in terms of completing that trade. That's right. We think we're going to get some good players back. Um, we, can't, we, we can't talk about them right now, but we think that it was a trade that made sense for the organization. And that's something we're always um, balancing here is, is the, the desire to win now and also the, the desire to continue our competitiveness for as long as we possibly can. And we believe the players are, that we're going to get back will ultimately be able to do that for us at the major league level. So um, those, are not, those are not easy decisions. David Phelps did a tremendous job for us. Everything we could have hoped for over the first month of the season. Um, and, and trading a guy who had established himself in a role like that on your team is, is always challenging. David, we have a question via Twitter, and if uh, anybody else has a question that's listening out there, you can tweet at me, at Ling Grindle, and uh, we'll try to get to those questions over the course of the next 15 minutes or so. But Josh asks, how has the pandemic impacted planning for the offseason? That, that's a great question, and it, it has certainly impacted a lot of our operation, and that's true with our offseason 
planning as well. And, and it's going to be fascinating as we get into the off season um, to determine how, how different teams act. We usually at this point have a tremendous amount of performance data for both minor league and major league players. Um, we have scouting analyses and we're able to, to make a, a really informed decision on where we think each individual player's skill set could be both in our organization and, and outside organizations. We're not at that point right now. For the vast majority of professional players, we now have a full year gap in any evaluation of them. And that's, that's an uncomfortable position to be in uh, when you're entering into an offseason where, where you have to make decisions. As I've said before uh, on, this, on this call and, and elsewhere, Every team is dealing with the same, um, the same issues this offseason. We're going to have to figure out how to deal with it maybe a little bit better than, than others and, and hopefully glean an advantage from that. But it is going to be different. It is going to be challenging. Um, there are probably going to be different types of movements in the offseason uh, this year than, than we've seen in the past. The pacing of the offseason could be a little bit different. We still don't know whether those, those really important – meetings that we have in the off season, whether the general managers meetings or the winter meetings in December, whether those are going to happen or not. Those are generally the types of events that can spur activity and discussion. So if those happen, you may have a slightly more normal looking off season. If they don't happen, the pacing and timing of everything could be different and, and could creep farther and closer to spring training, which has been a, a natural trend anyway. Um, so there are, as there have been so many unknowns for the last six months in our industry, the unknowns will, will continue um, throughout the off season. And, and it's probably going to be a little while until we get some certainty as, into what the off season and then spring training will look like for us. You know, last year, David, uh, the off season felt a little bit more normal in, ser- in terms of timeline, but the, the years before it was creeping further and further uh, into the year and closer to spring training and overlapping with spring training in many ways. And you just kind of touched on that uh, with this year, with those uncertainties, um, you know, again, fans in the stands, things of that nature. I mean, everybody anticipates that that's going to be the case next year, but I think we've learned this year, you don't know anything until it's here at this point, um, just because everything seems to change on a daily basis right now. So when you look at some of the different things, from a transaction standpoint, one, one thing, and this isn't necessarily something that's going to be a, a, a big thing on your radar, probably because of the way your roster presents itself this year, but across the league, guys that have player options, do, do you anticipate more guys will pick up the player option this year than in years past um, in, in terms of maybe they don't, because there's unknowns, they don't necessarily want to go into free agency? I think that's one of the questions that we all have is how much are players going to value certainty in such an uncertain world? And I I think you might be right. I think there are going to be players who um, want to know where they are because no one, not the the smartest team executive, nor the smartest player agent is going to be able to effectively predict what we're going to see this off season. Um, Players may be more apt to, to take the certainty if they have it in the, in the form of, of an option year. Um, so it, it will be fascinating um, to see. I, I think some players um, are more risk averse than others. Some players enjoy the process of going through the open market competitive bidding process and, and seeing what they can get. So it'll probably be an individual decision, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if you had more players picking up player options for those who have it. 
How have you uh, approached? I mean, there's been a handful of guys that have gone independent leagues to play. You know, young younger guys or prospects or minor league players. How how have you approached that as an organization? And how closely are you watching those leagues uh, to to scour for talent? Since again, uh, it is going to be a weird year from an evaluation standpoint yeah. with with no minor leagues and really no college season after the first couple of weeks. That that's that's something that's you know been been really hidden but is a massive impact to our our industry is the lack of of minor league play for the vast majority of our of our players and so we've had a handful of players who have come to us and have asked our permission uh to play in independent leagues and we've been supportive of it we we educate our players we want them to to understand um the the health protocols in place in each particular league so that they can understand what relative risk they may be taking on um but as long as they're educated about it and they want to go forward with it um, we support their their participation for the most part it's been a really good experience for our guys we've got guys playing um all over the country really in in various independent leagues um it's been great for them to to get at bats uh it's been great for them to get innings for the pitchers this generally isn't the same level of competition especially for guys who would be uh, farther along in our system, but just the reps at this point is important. Having, um, being part of a team, trying to win games, staying in baseball shape, um, competing, that, that's all really important. And, and the independent leagues do a really nice job of providing that. You know, I think when we talk about minor league development and, and another season for guys, it might be easy for some people to shrug their shoulders at it because there's not a name or a face attached to it, but let's put a name or a face to it. And let's go back to last year. Think of where Devin Williams and Trent Grisham are if they don't have last year in the minor leagues. Um, Trent Grisham obviously had a huge year. He had not been trending in that direction as a prospect. That's why you don't give up on guys. And he ends up making his major league debut on August 1st and, and finishing really strong. And, and uh, you were able to turn him into a deal that has Luis Arias now uh, as a part of the crew. And Devin Williams, obviously, we know the story. I mean, he's one of the elite relievers in baseball right now. And he started out in double A last year. He wasn't throwing a lot of strikes, still kind of coming back from Tommy John. And then something clicked, ends up making his major league debut last year. And clearly he's taken it to a completely different level. Those are the things that are missing this year. I mean, you do have Appleton, you have the auxiliary camp, and you can try to simulate that stuff the best that you possibly can. Uh, but it is different, right? It's completely different. And those are two great examples. Those two guys in particular, if we, if we were in this situation last year, I don't know that those two guys are in Appleton right now. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they may have lost a, an entire developmental year and you're right. Even if they were in Appleton, it's not the same where you're accumulating st- statistics and performance information, performance data day in and day out. Um, those were two guys who weren't really talked about much before last year in terms of having an impact on our team. Um, they both have now solidified themselves as really quality major league players and, and not knowing who that could have been this year is very challenging. And, and especially for an organization like ours, which, which is going to continually rely on, on surprise performances and, and breakout performances and, and have guys who we're not really thinking about in March end up impacting our team in September um, to not have that opportunity right now is, is, is is a challenge and um and certainly our hope and our expectation that we'll be able to get back to a more conventional minor league season next year i want to talk 
for a brief moment, if we can do that, uh, it's hard to be brief about this, but about Devin Williams, because th this has been, to me, maybe the story of the year. And we touched on him earlier, but this is the best changeup in baseball right now. And, I mean, he can throw it three straight times, and everybody knows he's throwing, and it doesn't matter. It's been really fun to see him turn into what he's become, and it's just another great example of why not everybody's path is the same when it comes to stardom. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, this this is the the growth he's had over the past eighteen months rivals anything I've ever seen in baseball. And and this was as you stated earlier, this was a guy who as recently as April of twenty nineteen was having a tough time throwing strikes um, and tough time getting outs um, at the minor league level. And then and then he he turned it around. Um, he had a really a dominating. Uh, stint at Double A, a very brief stop at Triple A, um, and and got his feet wet last year, and has taken it to a whole other level this year. And, and you're right, the, the changeup is one of the best pitches in all of baseball right now. He commands it with tremendous skill, uh, and he is emerging as one of the more dominant relief weapons uh, in the game. Now, clearly, there are guys who have done it more consistently than he has. There are guys who have done it longer than he has. But in this in this period, in this month and a half of baseball, it's tough to find guys who have done it better than he has. And and he he deserves a lot of credit for that. Our pitching coaches deserve a lot of credit for sticking with him, helping with his development. Um, and we're reaping the rewards of that. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch. And I guess I should also mention Corbin Burns because what a tough year he had last year. I think we all felt for him. And he was determined to get himself right coming into this year. And I know that you guys were excited to see how hard he worked all off season to get himself here. And it's been really fun to watch him flourish this year as well. That's another great one. And another example of rough years do happen. And, and yeah. it's a nice reminder for us on, on some of the guys who are struggling with us right now and going through in an unconventional year, unconventional seasons for their skill set, and, and this happens. Um, and we've seen it happen before and, and, and good players who work hard um, can bounce back from that. And that's exactly what Corbin has done. And, and I think we're, we're really happy for him um, because he, he has worked so hard ever since we drafted him um, to get to this point. Um, he's been a wonderful student throughout that time. And, and when it wasn't working for him last year, uh, as an organization, we almost felt like we let the player down. Uh, because he, he had been such a good student and such a hard worker, and, and we just weren't quite getting the results that everyone expected last year. And so for him to, to take that uh, as a learning experience, to dedicate himself over the offseason and, and to come out now with the type of consistent performances we're seeing as a starter, um, wonderful accomplishment for him, and it bodes very well for, for our team going forward. Okay, thank you to David Stearns for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. Well, the 19 nothing game is something we're all talking about, and rightfully so because it, it's been really <laughs> – it was an impressive offensive output. But the thing we're not talking enough about is what Corbin Burns did on that day on the mound. Corbin Burns right now leads the Brewers in war. If you're into that sort of thing, 1.6 in war for Corbin Burns. We've talked so much about Devin Williams, who certainly has a shot at Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, in the National League. But is Corbin Burns a Cy Young candidate? With a couple of weeks left in the season, you'd have to say yes. He has a 199 ERA. He is 3-0 on the year. He's now thrown 45 and a third innings. 
He has been outstanding through his six starts. He has only given up one home run. One home run all season long. Remember, he gave up 17 in 49 innings last year. He's thrown 45 and a third this year. He's given up one home run. It's been incredible. He has 64 strikeouts. He's amongst the league leaders in all of these categories. He's been absolutely outstanding, and I think he's in the conversation for Cy Young. Now, there's other guys. Jacob deGrom's going to be in that conversation once again, and uh, we can keep going on down the list in terms of the, the, the National League, but I think Corbin Burns is absolutely going to be in that conversation and you know where he Max Freed is probably another guy that factors into that conversation. Right now, Degrom leads in ERA with a one six nine. Bowers in there with a one seven four. Darvish is having a great year one seven seven. Freed at one nine eight, and Burns at one nine nine. Zach Davies actually uh, with a two four eight ERA. He leads the National League along with you, Darvish, and wins. He's getting a lot of run support from that great offense in San Diego. But then you start looking at strikeouts. And Burns is in the top 10 in strikeouts right now. And remember, he hasn't had as many starts as these other guys. He has the best rate in terms of hits per nine innings. He's allowing just 4.3 hits per nine innings right now. Um, He's been really, really, really special. And I think he's going to be in the conversation for sure when it's all said and done, especially if he keeps doing what he's been doing over the course of these next couple of starts that he gets before his season is, at least his regular season, is in the books. Okay, we talked to David Stearns. Now I want you to hear from Daniel Vogelback, who is, I think, quickly becoming a fan favorite. Daniel Vogelback has been doing a lot of DHing for the Brewers as a left-handed hitter, and he's gotten off to a really good start. And I had a chance to sit down with him and talk to him about, hey, this was a tough start to the year after being an all-star a year ago. But at the same time, you got a fresh start with the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it definitely season hasn't gone the way I uh, expected or how I wanted it to start. But, you know, it's a short season. And I think, you know, a short season, things can get magnified early. But, you know, I think um, very happy to be here um, in a playoff race, uh, just trying to get back to being the guy that I am. Um, and I know that I can be. I'm very confident in myself and my abilities. So just continuing to work hard and do what I can every day to, you know, help the team win. You mentioned it's a short season, and everything gets magnified in a short season. And, boy, that is such a true statement. The Brewers signed Brock Holt in the offseason. They designated Brock Holt for assignment a couple of weeks ago, and, and they straight up said, in a normal season, we wouldn't have made this move this quickly, but we felt like we had to do something to try to find some different answers. Obviously, they designated Justin Smoke for assignment a couple of days ago. And you've been caught in that same mix it's probably hard to stay focused and kind of stay the course because there is some extra pressure that's coming along with this shorter season do you feel that at all no I mean I'm not you don't really put any extra pressure on yourself um you know you just try to get your work in come to the field like you normally would on 162 um and whatever happens happens you know if it's you're supposed to be on the team you're on you will be if not you know I'm a believer in, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, there's a plan. We don't know the plan, but if we just sit back and, you know, continue to worry about what we can control, I think that things work out the way they're supposed to. Very thankful with the Mariners, um, but, you know, my short's down with the Blue Jays, but, you know, I'm very happy to be here uh, in Milwaukee. You had a, a big year last year in Seattle. You had 30 home runs. You were an all-star. Um, and now you're on your third team this season. And I, I guess I'm curious on the process – 
in a year like this where it's so different and all the protocols are in place. What's it like coming into a new team in the middle of the year and now you're doing it for a second time because there's additional testing that has to be done, all sorts of kind of crazy stuff. Uh, what's that process been like? Yeah, you know, you have to go through the testing and making sure you get the results back and uh, before you can go into uh, the new team. And then going into the new clubhouse, you know, it's always good to know some people. So playing with Gamble, playing with Omar, um, you know, and stuff like those guys and then coming up playing against, you know, RC and just knowing familiar face, seeing familiar faces is always good. Um, and then luckily coming into this clubhouse, it seems like everybody is very welcoming. Um, they're here for one reason and that's to win. And it's, it's pretty cool to see and enjoyable to be around. And I'm, like I said, I'm very excited to be here. You get two hits in your debut with the Brewers. And even though you're, you maybe weren't hitting at the level that you were accustomed to coming in, to the Brewers, it seems like you were still seeing the baseball pretty well. You were still getting your walks and getting on base at a decent clip. Did you feel like you were seeing the ball well? It's just a matter of kind of getting everything put together. Yeah, you know, I felt like I was still seeing the ball. I always say when I'm walking, you know, it's a good thing. And I was still walking, um, you know, just not getting the hits um, and stringing together, you know, some games with the hits uh, in a row. So just trying to continue to see the ball well, swing at good pitches, um, take my walks, but, you know, be aggressive in spots I need to be aggressive in and, um, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And, uh, you know, I don't only control what happens before I hit the ball. And after that, it's, uh, it's out of my control. You're going to get a lot of reps as the designated hitter. That's where you're accustomed to being, but you can play some first base and likely there's going to be some moments when Craig Council calls on you to be in the field and play some first base. That's something you're pretty comfortable with though, right? Yeah, you know, I actually, last year with injuries with Seattle, I played first a lot last year. I'm working with uh, Perry Hill over there at Seattle. You know, he really, really took the time to, you know, hands-on with me and get me to where, you know, I'm very, I felt very comfortable over there. Um, and that's all I wanted to be was comfortable, um, make the plays I'm supposed to make, and, you know, be a guy that, the you know, the other infielders can rely on. And that's uh, something that just continue to do my work. And when my number's called, be ready to go play. You already mentioned uh, your time in Toronto was so brief, and I should say your time in Buffalo, uh, even though it was with Toronto, was so brief. But you had spent the majority of your career with Seattle. Obviously, you started as a Cubs prospect and then were dealt in, in 2016 in the Mike Montgomery trade to Seattle. So to be in a, in a postseason race like the Brewers wake up this morning, they're, they're in, you know, as of right now in the postseason, that, that has to be really exciting for you because you didn't get a lot of opportunities in Seattle to be in the postseason mix. Yeah, you know, I always hear from, you know, the older guys that I've been lucky to be around, you know, when there's nothing like winning in the big leagues. Um, and, you know, in Seattle, we really didn't have an opportunity to do that much. Um, so, you know, just coming in to, you know, the, it's a different feeling. Um, coming in, coming to the park, expecting to win every day. Um, expecting to be in the playoffs it's uh it's really cool and you can tell that you know it's contagious it rubs off on people and um, I'm excited to you know be here for along the ride well Daniel we appreciate you giving us the time today uh, on the on deck show built by Menards I know it's been a whirlwind last week or so for you but I know the Brewers are happy to have you I think Brewers fans are really going to enjoy watching you play and uh, you're off to a great start you've made a great impression uh, in your first night in a Brewers uniform. Thank you for giving us the time and good luck tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
And our thanks to Daniel Vogelback for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back with you for another edition as the homestand continues next week. We'll be getting ready for the Royals when we come at you next. Hopefully the Brewers are in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Big games coming up in the division against the Cubs and Cardinals this weekend and next week. Have a great one, everybody. Stay healthy. I'm Lane Grindle.